0: This Cap Times podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colaguard. Learn more at exactsciences.com.
1: A couple years ago, uh, my siblings and I kicked in for Christmas and bought her a really nice knife set, and we're like, "We are giving you this, but you have to throw away a bunch of your old knives. Like, don't give them to the good. Throw them away. They are worth." Mom, I can take this and rub it on my palm and not cut myself. Please get rid of it.
2: This is The Corner Table, a podcast about food and drink in Madison, Wisconsin, produced by the Capitol Times.
0: Thanks to summer vacations and whatnot, uh, we're going to repurpose an entertaining and educational episode here from the archives that doubles as a kitchen safety public service announcement for you, our dear listeners.
2: Before the pandemic changed things just a little bit, we hosted Rockhound Brewing Company kitchen manager Adam Hain in our little podcasting studio. Adam shared some really great stories about how not to handle your knives, and he offered some very pointed reasons to keep them sharp.
0: Has your kitchen been getting quite the workout these past few months? I know ours has. Uh, Maybe now is the time to sharpen your knives and, in the process, take out some of that pent-up quarantine-related frustration on the edge of a blade.
2: As the saying goes, the sharper your knife, the less you cry. Give a listen. Welcome, Adam.
1: Hi. Thanks for having me.
2: Thank you so much for being here. And thank you for bringing your knife sharpening accoutrement. I don't know what the word is. a lot of equipment, be. yeah. <laughs>
1: We've
0: got like what, three items that I can see. Yeah,
1: and there's a couple I didn't bring just because they kind of repeat what this stuff is. So I have for like the hardcore, I've been chopping frozen chicken bones and they aren't – like I've taken chips out of my knife, a Wenwet wheel, um, just a, a standard grinder. Um You can use any kind of fine grain. You don't want to use your bench grinder you have at home for doing chisels Mm -hmm. and whatnot because that will take (laughs) large chunks off of your knife and the value is in the steel. So this uh, works great. You do about a 20-degree angle and it uh, will take a lot of those chips out. It will help put an an edge back on. I actually have a paring knife that – um, never run your knives through the dishwasher, by the way. This is public service announcements, number yeah. one. Never, ever run your knives through the dishwasher. Hand wash uh, only. Hand wash only. Doesn't matter if it's your Chicago cutlery or if you have a $200 shun. Never run them through the dishwasher. It takes the temper out of the blade so they can never get as sharp as they originally were.
0: Really? And, okay. Yep.
1: It also loosens the mechanical fitting. So I have in my, my main knife kit, I have a 10-inch uh, chef's knife that I used for years. And... Somebody ran it through the dishwasher and it literally took the uh, the rivet out of it. So hmm. now I can't – You, I could get it re-riveted, but I use it as an example of this is why we don't do it. It loosens mechanical connections yeah. so your handle can fall off and things like that.
0: So what is it about the dishwasher, like the actual mechanics of the, in, the inside of the dishwasher that damages the knife to your, that degree?
1: If it's so, the main difference between a home dishwasher and a commercial dishwasher, like if you're in a restaurant, most dishwashers are between ninety and one hundred and eighty seconds. They're you know a minute and a half to three minutes. Uh, it's high heat or it's uh, lower heat with chemical, but it just it's a quick process. I still don't like doing it in restaurant ones, but it's kind of passable. Your home dishwasher takes two to four hours to wash and it's doing high temperature and it's a constant wet environment bringing a lot of heat and pressure into your knife so it gets into the joints and it just it wrecks them yeah so yeah it it's that constant uh, exposure to heat and to pressure and and dampness yeah and
0: so you shouldn't leave your knife like just soaking in the in the sink. Either right, just kind of like wipe yeah. it down real quick and then throw it in the in, in the in the drainer or yep. It should be a else. couple
1: minute process.
0: Yeah.
2: Oh my gosh, we've been here for like thirty seconds and I've learned a gazillion things already. <laughs> all at once, yeah, yeah. Just pilot them on. So just to sort of introduce you a little bit for our listeners, um, tell us a little bit about how you got into the industry, how you know all this wonderful stuff.
1: Uh, it's a very roundabout uh, uh, journey. So um, we'll. Go right back to the beginning. My uh, my mom is the youngest of ten of an orchard family. So my grandma, an
0: orchard family,
1: yes. Uh, my my uh, mother's father and his brothers have the third oldest orchard in the state. Uh, now. It's predominantly now just uh, uh, recreational, though my one of my uncles has an orchard down the row, and my cousin has the orchard that actually backs up to my ancestral orchard. Um, so they had a lot of kids and a lot of workers on the farm. There's uh, row houses where they had people who would come and be like seasonal workers and whatnot. So my grandma never learned how to cook small batches. I still blame her <laughs> when I make soup. That makes uh, sense. So from the time I was big enough to crawl up on a stool, I was sitting by grandma, kneading dough, baking stuff, and I've just always loved cooking. Mm -hmm. Uh, So did it as a hobby, had fun with it, Uh, went to school to be a computer programmer, uh, saw what my friends were doing out in the industry. Uh, I like people, and uh, I'm fairly extroverted. I get blamed for talking way too much, and I can make friends with anybody in an instant. And they were all sitting in little boxes, never seeing anybody. Like, their manager would pop in twice a day and be like, here's some work. How are you doing? Goodbye. I didn't want to do that.
2: Yeah, that would make me sad too. Yeah. In the meantime,
1: I had been I, I had been washing dishes and, and prep cooking at restaurants because I had friends that were working at them and my mom was managing the front desk of a resort up in Door County, and they lost all their dishwashers and they're like, Hey, if you come wash dishes for us, do some prep cooking, you get free golf, and we'll feed you prime rib every night. And I'm like, pfft. Okay. Sounds good. Easy, yeah. easy answer. <laughs> yeah, It actually got to the point where a- after like a month, I'm like, "Could you feed me something other than prime rib? Uh, I know. That's, it's a terrible it's a problem. Lie. Right. Yeah, right. Uh, so started doing more and more stuff there. Started cooking there. Uh, learning more of the like fine restaurant details and realized I was having way more fun and more fulfillment out of working in the restaurant than I was going to school for programming. So switched majors, went to school, Fox Valley Tech. Uh, And worked around the Fox Valley for a while. Um, So I already had some of the skill set and also grew up – my my parents had a dairy farm. So grew up on the dairy farm uh, doing some of that and then helping with production with making jams and breads and things like that for the orchard. And then in the restaurants and started doing – expanding more what I was doing. Uh, Worked for a company that ran nine different cafeterias, and I managed the managers of them. So it was everything from a cafeteria in a slaughterhouse where it's just get burgers out as fast as you can to fine dining, doing the corporate dining room at Time Warner, doing the uh, eventually ran the corporate dining room at uh, Schneider National. So feeding eight to nine hundred people a day in a variety of comfort foods, up to we had a very large Indian population there and learned how to do traditional Indian cooking. Uh, So it was kind of a blast. And in all of that, I, I love to learn. I read constantly. Uh, and your biggest tool when you're cooking are your knives. Yeah. So I wanted to learn, well, first, what kind of knives should I get? What works best for me? What works best for other people? And then if I'm going to have them, how do I take care of them? So I started researching how to sharpen them, what tools to use, that kind of stuff, and just figured out that keeping a good, sharp knife was the best thing I could do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Worked around the Fox Valley, uh, ended up here in Madison because of my now wife and uh, started working around here, wound up uh, running a restaurant in town for three years. Went over to the feed kitchens, helped open that up. Was there for four years. Worked with a lot of different entrepreneurs there. Actually taught knife classes to their uh, their students in the just baking and.
0: And when you say when you say you taught knife classes, you mean like just how to you know do the different kinds of like dicing and yep. chops and how to the knife skills. Yep. Yeah.
1: Show them what. What type of knife is what so that they can identify them, show them the different parts of a knife, how to keep your knife sharp, how to maintain it, how to properly hold a knife, and then how to do proper chopping, dicing, that kind of stuff. Basically giving them one extra skill so that if they go into a restaurant, they can say, hey, I can chop up 100 pounds of onions if you need, that kind yeah. of thing. So, yeah, just you know, learn those skills along the way and just kept honing them.
2: So I was. I'm curious. Uh, did you start to kind of build your own collection of knives? You see chefs go around with their knife rolls all the time. Yeah,
0: it's always like on Top Chef. Yeah, it's the you know pack your knives, pack and, your knives and leave. And go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We so chefs as a whole
1: are are we're interesting creatures. Yes. Um, so <laughs> there there are people who get into the restaurant industry because they think, oh, it looks really cool, and, and Top Chef and all of these have really brought a lot of people in that. They last about six months. And uh, they're <laughs> like, oh, my God. And then you have the people who just wind up there that, like, I was a computer programming major. Uh, one of my good friends was a history he, – like, he has his, his history degree. Another guy that uh, was an HR executive for years in corporate America for Fortune 500 companies. And eventually you find your way into a restaurant and you're like, this feels right. These are my people. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, and, and we're all a little obsessive. So the knife thing gets to be kind of, like – I need that knife. Ah. I, I know I don't need that knife. I really don't need to spend that. My wife has so many times said to me, why did you get another chef knife? You don't understand. This is a wide belly chef knife <laughs> that comes to a taper rather than my shun, which is a straight back with an Asian handle. So that's very different. This works for other things. I and mean, what's that? one? Well, that's a sushi knife. You don't make sushi. I understand that. But it works so well on vegetables. <laughs> and when I want to shave Brussels sprouts, it's really, really good. Damn. Yes, but you've got seven other... doesn't matter. (laughs) And and then I'm even worse because I have a whole kit that I just use for teaching knife classes. So that's got like... Eight chef knives and eight boning knives and a bunch of paring knives. Mm -hmm. And then I have knives that I don't even really use because I use them as, okay, these are the different knife types. So here's a French cleaver versus a Chinese cleaver. Here's a bird's beak paring knife versus a standard paring knife. This is a three-inch paring knife versus a four-inch paring knife. I also have a a two-and-a-half-inch paring knife, and that's where I kind of was talking before about the whole dishwasher thing. I had a dishwasher at a restaurant that thought he'd be helpful and clean up and he grabbed my paring knife and was going to run it through the dishwasher but it fell through the hole in the bottom of the dish uh, rack and went into the garbage disposal and he didn't realize it he turned <gasps> the garbage disposal on a little bit while later he hears rattle 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 leans over and the chef or the paring knife is oh, no. flying past his face and embeds itself in the ceiling uh,
0: and you just leave it there as a, as a sign to everyone else. We're <laughs> like,
1: you realize that would have killed you, yeah. had it hit you. So we pull it out, and it's taken like half an inch off the blade. It's taken a chunk out of the handle. So I use the grinding wheel and ground it down. So it's, now it's like a fine. So if I'm, I'm trying to flute mushrooms, it works really well. Um, you but, saved it. Yes, but I also then use it as the this is why we don't dishwash them, and this is also why if the garbage disposal is making noise, turn it off before we check it. <laughs> uh, like.
2: Oh, my Lord. Yeah.
1: He, he, we gave him a five-minute break to kind of sit sure. down and, and you know, clean himself up. You'd off. have to collect uh,
0: yourself a little bit after you know right. a near-death experience. Right.
1: Exactly. Oh, my goodness. So, so yeah. Uh, I have literally thousands of dollars of knives. Um, most chefs I know do uh, back- In the late 90s, um, early 2000s, these ceramic knives were the really big thing. Everybody had to have a ceramic knife, right? And, oh, man, they're so much sharper. Ceramic knives are great. They don't rust. They are super sharp. They are a pain in the butt. They cost a lot of money. And when the busboy comes back and sets down a bus tub and hits your ceramic knife and it falls on the floor and shatters all over, the sous <gasps> chef is trying to kill him for his $400 knife. So it's one yeah. of those, yeah. Oh, th- right. Yeah, this is also why a lot of chefs are very territorial about their knives. Like, you don't touch their knives unless no. they specifically say, here's my knife. You may touch it. And you hear the, whole. Oh coming down from the heavens you've just earned the right to touch the good knife right every kitchen has the garbage knives that you know billy the prep cook gets to use and then the chef has their role hidden someplace Uh, my particular role started out like the regular knife roll and then i got too many knives for it so then i had two (laughs) knife rolls and that was just didn't make much sense and i know chefs that have like full-on tackle boxes or toolboxes which work okay i found that A reel case for, like, when you're traveling with good fishing reels uh, worked really well because it's dual-layer. It's got foam inserts. And then that wasn't quite big enough. So then I got a traveling revolver case. Uh, that they make for if you're traveling with guns and you can lock it. Oh but it's perfect God. because it opens up and it's like the first layer. It's nice foam padded, all the knives. And then if I lift that out, that's where all the specialty knives are underneath it. So, yeah, it's, it's a problem.
2: It's but a whole thing.
1: Yeah, I actually have, when I, when I travel, I've, I've got a backpack for like my, my laptop and iPad and all that kind of stuff. And I normally keep like an ex-chef jacket and, and uh, hat. There's also a couple of chef knives and paring knives and a steel in there just in case. And yeah. people are like, well, why do you carry that with you i'm like what do you do for your work oh I you know i'm a programmer do you take your laptop everywhere well yeah i have to same reason yeah <laughs> right
2: yeah, yeah
0: you're gonna take a whole bunch of thumb drives and a bunch of right. other you know backup accoutrement so one thing that came up in my head was um like when you say that uh, chefs are very territorial about their knives and very maybe not superstitious but is part of that because every chef at some point has either themselves mutilated somebody else's knife or had their knife mutilated by somebody who didn't know what they were doing
1: yeah yeah a lot of times uh it's the I, – I brought up the frozen chicken bone thing. That is way more common than you think. Like you tell somebody, we need to cut up chicken, and that person didn't pull it out in time, but they're like, well, I can just do this. And frozen stuff just takes giant chunks out of it. And it takes a lot of life out of your knife because you're taking you know, you're know taking off millimeters at a time when you're sharpening them. But if all of a sudden you have to take off a quarter of an inch because somebody took a big divot out, Damn. you've just lost literally years on that knife. Yeah. Uh, I've been in kitchens where they have what's now a boning knife and started out as a chef knife because they've had it so long and sharpened it down so many times. It's just crazy. But, yeah, it it is. And it is also kind of superstitious. And it's comfort. I mean, like, if you're using this knife all day long, you want to find the handle that fits you right. And there's so many different varieties of handles. But you want what's going to feel comfortable, what you're going to be good with. And you've probably spent years like, finding the right thing, and now you are used to that knife. Yeah. If somebody messes that up. I mean, it's like wrecking the coach cushions when you got just the right yeah. divot.
0: I mean, you, you've gotten to a point where <laughs> the knife just feels like a natural extension of your hand, and then somebody does the slightest little thing, or if it's got to be, you know, cleaned up in, in some, to some degree, you know, then it's just going to be all wackadoo, yep. and it's going to take you forever to get that feeling back. Yep, exactly.
2: So my mother... Keeps all of her knives in the drawer. I think she she has like a a magnetic strip for a couple of them, but mostly the knives are just like dumped in a drawer, right? And they're all basically butter knives. I love you, mom. I'm sorry, (laughs) but they're on blast. (laughs) (laughs) Like they're not sharp. Like you can't, you couldn't cut yourself if you wanted to. Like you'd have to really work at it, right? Um, and so, like over uh, Christmas this past year, I I brought, I had a new knife, I had a brand new knife uh, from Orange Tree Imports, and I brought it with me in a little like sleeve or whatever. And I was just wondering if you have any thoughts for our home cooks listening about why a maybe you shouldn't put all your knives in a drawer, <laughs> and b why it's important to keep them sharp or have them sharp.
1: Uh, I have the same mother. Um, <laughs> she has the Chicago cutlery knives that she got as a wedding gift uh, 44 years ago now. Uh, she will not get rid of them. She has some other knives that we finally made her get rid of. A couple of years ago, uh, my siblings and I kicked in for Christmas and bought her a really nice, nice set. And we're like, we are giving you this. But you have to throw away a bunch of your old knives. Like, don't give them to the good. Throw them away. They are worth. Mom, I can take this and rub it on my palm and not cut myself. Please get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so a uh, couple of reasons to have good sharp knives. Um, my hands are a good testament to it. Uh, I did I did martial arts training for years. And I always tell you the first thing is if you're going to do martial arts training, if you're going to get in a fight or you're doing training, you're going to get hit. Just get it into your head. You are going to get hit. It's, it's just one of the things. If you're sparring, somebody's going to hit you. If yeah. you're in a fist fight, somebody's going to hit you. Get it in your head so that once it happens, you can just react and not freeze up. And I always tell everybody new starting in the kitchen – You are going to cut yourself. At some point, you're going to cut yourself. So know that at some point you're going to cut yourself. And when you do, don't
0: freak out. It's still impossible. Like I can't. Like I mean, because there's there's always that that moment of knowing you've cut yourself, looking at it, seeing the line, and knowing in like two seconds there's going to be some blood coming out of this. But how bad is it going to be? I don't know. And it's just that, like, Lindsay's losing it over here.
1: I've I've, I've had somebody in the kitchen where they cut themselves and like ah, and now you just have splattered blood everywhere and contaminated the kitchen. So it's the. Grab a towel, put it over it. Let's yep. check it out. You know, see what it is. Apply so, pressure. Yeah. So my above my uh, <laughs> my left hand ring finger. Uh, many years ago, I was cutting up an avocado, and the avocado slipped, and I was using my boning knife, which is literally sharp enough to shave with. I've proven to people by putting on some uh, some shaving cream and shaving my face with it, uh, and it cut to the bone. Uh, and it was a busy night. We already had somebody out, and it's like, oh, crap, I don't have time to go get stitches. I always keep super glue in my bag because super glue was made for battlefield wounds. Yeah. It is pH neutral. It's it's great. So wash the hand real well, super glued it, threw a Band-Aid on, worked the rest of the night. Barely visible scar. On my thumb, I have another nice scar where I was opening a <laughs> bag of dog treats with a jackknife that – well sharp not nearly as sharp and it sliced my thumb open and it's a very jagged scar and it's puckered because a dull knife tears a sharp knife cuts yeah so same thing when you're cutting you know you're cutting chicken breast you're cutting carrots if you're using a dull knife it's not cutting it's breaking ripping and tearing yeah so it's taking a lot more pressure it's you're you're putting a lot more work into it so one you're getting more arm strain you're getting tired but also you are way more likely to cut yourself with a dull knife than a sharp knife. Because you're pushing so hard, it, there's a better chance it's going to go off at an angle. With that sharp knife, you're getting that nice, even cut, that nice feel. Yeah. So you're way better to do that. The thing that people don't know, like, I keep my knife sharp. I, you know I sharpen them every day with that sharpener that comes with my knife. Well, it's not a sharpener. It's a hone uh the steel, whether it's a straight uh metal, whether it's got grooves, the whole idea of that is to take what's called the nurl. So the neural. Yes. Yeah, so the, the end of your knife, if you looked at it on a microscopic level, it's a tiny little triangle. And the very edge right here on the edge of this now this is a serrated so it doesn't have it, but the edge of this knife We're holding is, a knife right now. Just so. a microscopic blade, right? it's a tiny little sheer piece of metal. Mm. It's super, super thin. It's micron's thick. So as you're cutting, that edge curls over. So you still have a fairly thin piece of metal so it can cut, but with that little edge curled over, that's called the neural, that curl. So when you take your steel, as you're going back and forth, one side to the next, to the next, to the next, you're taking that little curl of metal and you're straightening it back out and you're taking off the microscopic pieces. Like if you take a towel after you've hone your knife and wipe the hone, you'll see like the gray little dust. It's metal metal shavings. So you're taking off that little corrupted piece of metal and getting it straight and super sharp again. So it keeps your knife sharp, but it does not sharpen it.
2: Does it lessen the life of your knife if it's taking metal away?
1: Nope. It actually makes it better because you're taking away that microscopic piece where if you're not taking that away, it's going to curl more and more and more and more so that when you finally do sharpen it, you're taking away a
0: larger chunk of your knife. So you'd rather lose a
1: micron of it than a millimeter.
0: And so you're saying the hone that people are using that comes with the knife, that that's just kind of fixing that neural, whereas with the sharpener, you're actually you know, kind of – I guess you will have already fixed the neural – before, right. and then that's just going to be shaving off a little bit more because there, yep. there's going to be like a divot or a chunk or right. something. The, yeah.
1: the sharpener is taking away the micro cracks and the little divots. Yeah. Um, the big thing is every job you do with your knife, you want to hone it. So you're cutting up tomatoes, and then you're going to go to onions. So cut the tomatoes, wipe the blade down, do five, ten quick passes with the with the hone. Just one side to the other, one side to the other, done. Cut up your onions. Now you're going to do peppers. Again, do that one side to the other. And it just keeps it way sharper, way longer. You're going to do a lot less stress on yourself. And it's going to just make your life so much easier. Yeah. You should always do it every time you take it out and every time that you put it away. Yeah. First oh and last goodness. thing you do with your knife. I and what you were saying – oh, I,
2: I don't do it nearly that much. That's all yeah, I wanted right. to say.
0: Yeah. Um, what I was going to say earlier because, I mean, when people talk about uh, – like you want the knife to be doing the work, not you doing the work. Yes. And when you were talking about if it's a dull knife, you're having to push more, which means if it slips or whatever, then you're going to be have you're going to have that much more momentum. Right. That's going to possibly you know shred your your flesh even
1: yep. <laughs> even. Worse. And the other part of it too is you know you're watching on the you're watching the cooking network and whatnot, and people are you know they're shaving down a shallot and it's super thin and you yeah. can almost see through it, or they're dicing and they have a nice little dice, and you're getting home and you're like oh my god I have giant chunks should be going in a stew the sharper your knife is the smaller cut you're going to be able to do you're going to have less of those rough edges you're going to have a nicer cleaner cut and you're going to have more uniform stuff so when you're cooking your food is all going to cook at the same rate as well that way which makes a big difference
0: this podcast is brought to you by exact sciences join the madison-based team working to lead earlier cancer detection visit exactsciences.com to view the company's hundreds of open jobs so since we're talking about this a little bit, how do you feel about the scene in Goodfellas where he's shaving the the garlic with the razor blade? That's is there, where
2: my brain went to.
0: Yeah. Is there like is there is there a way do you do you need the razor blade or I mean obviously they were in prison at the time, so they couldn't get
1: it. I have a, I have an old-fashioned flip-out razor blade, like, you know, the old barber style mm-hmm. that I will use for that. Uh, but I also have knives that are that sharp. If, you're, if you really do want to have it, like, where it melts in, shaving it fine helps. But if you have a good and sharp enough knife, yeah. it'll do it. Yeah. Uh, but or you yeah, could use a mandolin. yeah, yep. yep. And if you're using a mandolin, no, pu- again, public safety notice, <laughs> if you're using a mandolin, use the guard. Use the guard. Now, in reality, buy yourself a good cut-proof glove. And forget the guard, because the guard never holds stuff down. I
2: have one. It's metal. It's like wearing chain. Yeah, it's a gauntlet. It's awesome.
1: And, yeah, it will keep you from losing parts of your finger because you will – you lose parts. I've, I've been in kitchens for 25 years. I still lose parts of my finger if I'm using a mandolin too often. Yep. Get that cut-proof glove because the, the guards they send with them are garbage. Um, but if you don't have a glove, use the guard or you will be going to the hospital. Yeah,
2: <laughs> You know the only time I've gotten cut – well, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> One of the times I've gotten cut on my mandolin uh, – mandolin? mandolin mandolin, yes. mandolin. Um, <laughs> what uh, i i was grabbing for it in the cupboard and i was just grabbing to get it out and i cut myself oh. on it um my aunt kathy once one of the ways she got cut on a knife was she was reaching over her dish drainer and she cut her because she had the knife blade up Ooh. another thing that my mom used to do thank god she doesn't anymore she would put the knives blade up in the dish drainer because she's really aware of how germs are transferred. She's a nurse, and so she and so you know we're all very aware. And she's like, if I put the blade down in that like the dish drainer part, like it's gonna get germs on the top. So she didn't want that, so she turned it up. And I was like, you're gonna stab yourself. Yeah,
0: yeah ger- germs so- get transferred a lot more, a lot easier if there's blood.
2: Right, <laughs> right, right.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I always teach people in the restaurants like when you're washing forks, knives, spoons, all that kind of stuff, have them up. If you're washing, like, we don't put the knives through the dishwasher, but let's say you're doing the steak knives. They go through the dishwasher. Put them down. I don't care if there's a little bit of something on them. Take a take a clean dry cloth afterwards and polish them. But, yes, don't have the knives up. I, again, Squicky uh, had somebody who took a bread knife and put it in a dish rack, and it flipped blade up when it was laying down. And when they picked up the dish rack, they put their thumb on it and pushed the thumb right down and did a nice cut right in their thumb with the bread knife. Again, another reason not to wash your knives in the dishwasher is because <laughs> there's a good chance you're not going to see them and you're going to get themselves. Yeah. Same reason not to leave them in a drawer because if they're in the drawer, especially if they're loose in the drawer, you reach in for something, you're going to cut yourself. Mm-hmm. Have have a, a magnetic knife uh, rack that you can screw into the wall. They're $11 at Target. I mean, you can get them cheap. You have a decent knife block that they can go into, or you can even get the little pull-down ones that screw into the bottom of your cabinets and flip down. You can lay them in that. But, yeah, have a way that your knives are accessible and safe and you are not going to cut yourself by mistake when handling them. So the hone is very important. Do it all the time. As far as sharpening your knives, um, In a commercial kitchen, we sharpen our knives once a month at least. Uh, There are services that come around... Uh, that will bring us new knives every two weeks for like the just standard knives and they take them and they sharpen them. They're a little lower quality knife. But like for the good knives, we sharpen them at least once a month. Now we don't do, I've got a tri stone here in front of me. We don't do all three stones every single month with that. Uh, We normally use like the finest one or I just have like an Arkansas uh, fine stone that I'll run them across, that kind of thing. Um, At home, I always suggest to people once a month or once a year, uh, like, we have friends that we go to their house for Thanksgiving every year, and I always bring along my stuff, and I sharpen all their knives. Uh, <laughs> I just – I kind of make the pre-Thanksgiving rounds around to people and sharpen their knives. It's just handier that way. That way you always have that sharp because it's going to degrade over the course of a year. Even if you haven't used it a lot, just going over the finest – like, tri stone has a, a rough stone, a medium stone, and a fine stone. Uh, I have also a strop here, a leather strop, so it does, like, an even finer, like – barber uh shine to it. Uh the the wheel grinder on your knives is really only if you've done a lot of damage to it. Yeah. If you're taking it someplace and they're putting it on the grinder every year, stop doing it. Um <laughs> it's just like they're they're doing what you're asking them to do, what you're paying them to do, but it really takes a lot of the life out of your knife. Yeah. That that wheel is just for major damage. It's just overkill. Uh, right, exactly. Uh, you know, if, if you are using a machete out in your yard because you have bamboo that's growing up, yeah, take it in, have them put it on the wheel. Uh, same thing, like, take every year. Again, this isn't culinary, but take the blade off your lawnmower, take it in, and get it sharpened. Yeah. Sharpened and balanced. It works great. But having just a simple, like, I use the stone. I also have friends who have the electric sharpeners that, you know, you do the passes. Yeah. Through. Those work fine. They oh, really they do. do. Yeah, they're not. That's good to know. Yeah, they're not. You're not going to get quite as good a sharpen as you would with a really good
0: stone and a, you
1: know taking the passes on it, but it's going to keep it sharp. It's yeah, and, go,
0: to, and, and if you haven't been sharpening it at all, right? Anything is a huge step forward. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, it, it's funny, you know. They have oh, this is a, the watermelon knife, and it's red and green, and it's long, and it has cullins. You can also just buy one really good slicer that you're going to use when you're cutting up a roast and anything like that, and it still works. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the, when, when people are like, what do I need for knives? What do I need for knives? You need a good chef knife. You need a good paring knife. And you need a good boning knife. You can do everything you need with that. Now, if you want to add in a nice slicer, so as far like, chef knife and 8-inch chef knife is perfect. I have some 10-inch ones, and that's just if I'm doing really big jobs. Eight-inch is comfortable in your hand. If you're a smaller person, you can get a six- or a seven-inch. It works well. Uh, So eight-inch chef's knife, if you want a Santuco, six to seven-inch is great because it works great for fruits and veggies. Uh, That paring knife, three- or four-inch, depending on what you like, rounded handle, square handle, whatnot. Uh, And then a boning knife— There's flexible, there's rigid. Uh, I like to get a slightly flexible one so that if you're cutting, like, you're cutting ham that's on the bone, you want to go around the bone, it doesn't just stop. Uh, But, again, that's like a 6-inch knife. And then a good 10- or 12-inch slicing knife, it can either be serrated or not. So you can use it for bread. You can use it for roasts, any of that kind. Uh, It just works nicely because it – Fruit, veggies, all kinds of stuff.
0: Yeah, and then, and when you say good, because you described a lot of knives, is just like you want a good this, that, the other. Because I mean, I've seen you know, I've looked at you know, like these like you know, thirty or forty dollar like Victory Knocks, you know, chefs' knives on Amazon or wherever. I mean, are there certain things that people should you know be looking for that would be a, a marker of, of something that is you know good, like like a baseline quality?
1: Yeah, for most home knives, you want. If you can get a forged rather than stamped knife, it's going to be better.
0: And that's Uh, one where you can see, like, the layers in the actual, like, blade, correct?
1: uh, Depending on what it is, if it – you can have a straight forge where you don't see the layers. Uh, If you have – there's different ones that you can. uh, But the biggest thing is just checking with the manufacturer of whether it's forged or stamped. Stamped is they just take a piece of metal, they cut it out, and they sharpen it. And they'll last. They're fine. I mean, they – they're okay, but a forged one will hold up. It'll be sharper, longer. That's a knife that you can give to your kids. The other thing is, depending on the handle style you're looking at, your best bet is if it is a full tang, riveted handle knife. Uh, if it's Full
0: tang, meaning that the blade, like you've got the blade and then the metal from the blade actually goes all the way the full length of the handle, correct?
1: Yep. So this is a partial
2: tang. I'm holding up uh, a knife here that's like a, it's a thin serrated knife.
1: Yep. So on this one, the tang, which is the the part of the metal that goes into the handle, you can visibly see it. It goes halfway down the handle, and it is physically connected with a couple of rivets. So having that connection is very important. Um, This is good. It's not going to have quite as much stability, but because it's a slicer, it doesn't really matter as much. Uh, Now, I have some that are not full tang knives. They're hidden tang. Normally, you're going to find that more in in the oriental knives. Uh, I have a shun that is a very nice knife. It's a, a long Narrow handle, works really well for multiple hand sizes. But that one also, it has a full bolster on it. So that's the the back part, the thicker part of the knife. And it's a well-maintained and well-connected one. Uh, a lot of the cheaper, like some of the Victoronics and, and uh, things like that, they have just a very narrow triangle of metal going into a formed plastic handle. There's a lot higher chance of that eventually loosening up. Uh, now, in your home, you're probably never going to do enough to do it. But if you're doing, if you're actually doing a significant amount of cutting, you you can have that issue. Knives, I mean, they really do. If you have a good knife that you take good care of, can last multi generations. Yeah. Uh, my mom has my grandma's Cutco knives that are it's, they're older than my mom for sure, and they work really well.
2: I have a random kind of side question about Cutco knives. My friend sold them when she was like in her early 20s, late teens, you know, like you do when you're in college for extra cash. Because I think it's like a multi-level marketing situation. (laughs) Um... But whatever. So she was selling Cutco knives. Why do they always slice through rope? Like, what is the value of slicing through rope or like a penny or whatever they do? Like, uh, why?
1: Rope because it's multiple layers and it's twisted. So it shows that it can cut cleanly and get through stuff that way. Uh, and then they'll always go and cut a tomato afterwards because a tomato is so hard to cut because it's got the, the tough skin and the the soft center. So it'll always mush. So, yeah, they're just the sh- same thing when they cut through a shoe. It's to show that they can cut through something <laughs> tough and then cut something soft. But like yeah.
2: what is the food equivalent of a rope?
1: Uh butternut squash? Oh. Um yeah. Uh there's like a lot of the root vegetables. Um uh, I I love root vegetables. Uh, my favorite thing to do in the winter is get like uh, rutabagas, turnips, parsnips, carrots. Parsnips and, are
2: harder than carrots, yes. right? So and
1: and rutabagas are really really hard. And <laughs> I like to cube them, roast them, and and they're great, right? They make a great thing, but they are tough, and you need a stout knife for them, mm-hmm. and you need a sharp knife. You need you need something that's not going to twist when you're cutting through. So that's kind of what they're showing. The more fibrous stuff like that, it's going to cut through.
2: Got it. So like the next time you get like a blue Hubbard squash that's like the size of your cat and you need just need to like get through that thing so you can cook it. Cause I was like, well, can, can I, cause I, I, I'm a member of a CSA. And so sometimes they'll give us like beautiful winter squashes and like some of them like acorns, festivals, butternuts, obviously delicata. I can, I can handle those fine, but you know, a curry squash or some of these other ones where you're just sort of like, it's not, and I'll put like, towel down to make sure that it's stable and i'm just like approaching it with my knife and thinking uh it can't run away but it can roll <laughs> like i'm just i get so nervous and i feel like having the sharp knife
1: yep uh i have a uh 14 inch scimitar for those uh, scimitar yeah so scimitars is, is uh, uh at c-i-m-c-i-m-e-t-e-r uh, it's butcher's knife. Not like um, what
0: the guards had right, in, in Aladdin. Right, it's right. Like,
1: it's shaped kind of the same way, <laughs> sure. um, but it's, it's made for cutting large cuts of, well, cutting primals and subprimals. So you're, go- you're getting a full ribeye and you're going to cut ribeye steaks out of it. You use this knife because it's wider, it's long, it's curved. It works really well for that. It also works great for large fruits and vegetables. Uh, and it's one of those things that you can find them online for about 30 bucks for a good one. So, it's another thing to have in your arsenal if you're like, "I got thirty bucks and I wanna buy something kinda of cool and that's when you definitely wanna hang up in the kitchen because people see that and they're like, "Oh, this is a serious kitchen yeah they they've Ooh. got a, they got a sword uh, <laughs> <laughs> the the other big thing with any of that round kind of stuff uh you know whether it's it's potatoes on the small end or going up to squash pumpkin, any of that shave. A, a, you know, half an inch off of one side mm-hmm. to make a flat surface. Oh, that's, right. Yeah, always make one flat surface and then roll it onto that, and then start doing. I do that cutting. with
2: watermelon, but it didn't occur to me to do it with squash. But that's a super smart idea. Yep.
1: Yeah, yep. anything round. Just having losing that little bit on the side really makes a big difference because more often it's even in the kitchens with people who've been doing this for years. You cut yourself more often because something rolled. Ah. It just it that's it happens. It's gonna get you. Yep.
2: So, hey, I was hoping we could do maybe a little bit of a demo with some of the stuff you brought in. Uh, listeners, we will not do too much scraping on mic, I promise. Uh, but I did kind of want to see this in action if that's okay. Definitely.
1: So, we're going to start with the tristone. Uh
0: the tristone is it's like um like a like a like three different columns that are all kind of connected on both ends, but we'll we'll include a photo of this. Yeah. So the the tristone the show that notes. I
1: have here is uh, it's from Dexter. Again, you can find it online. This this one, I think, I paid like fifty bucks for. Um, in kitchens, we have ones that have. This is all round stock. Uh, so the nice thing with it is that you can turn it. So I use part, I turn, I turn, I turn. So you're not using the same spot all the time. And it's dishwasher safe. So I throw it in the dishwasher every once in a while, just take off all that extra oil and and metal and whatnot. Um, Your traditional tri-stone is triangular, has three flat pieces of stone on it. Mm -hmm. You rotate. This one is just great. It fits in. It's one of those things that work great in your kitchen. Uh, So this is serrated too.
0: I think all of these are serrated.
1: (laughs) Is that one? Yep. Is that guy? This guy? I
0: don't think there that we one go. is. Yeah. So. Is that a little – now, what kind of knife is that? Is that a paring knife? That's a paring knife, yeah. Pairing knife. This uh is
2: actually, This is actually my paring knife from home, and I bring it every day to cut apples. And right. I never sharpen it.
1: So uh, we're going to start with the roughest one, and we're just going to go about a 20-degree angle and start at the base of the knife, going to the tip in one – like tr- pushing forward and pulling down as you go along. So it gets the whole blade, and you're not just starting on one spot. Mm -hmm. Then, depending on how comfortable you are with it, you can (laughs) pull it towards you. And that's
0: going to be a little different because you're pulling it towards you with... Or you just
1: switch hands. (laughs) Yeah,
0: depending on how ambidextrous you might be.
1: Right. Uh, Is this the coarse one? This is the coarse one. So I always do 10 per side. So I do do 20 strokes. So just one... Two, three, hit my mic. Four, five, six. And 20. So this is rough. It's giving it a nice base edge. Mm -hmm. It's like if you feel it, it's definitely sharper. Yeah. Uh, From there, we're going to go to our medium stone and. This is just going to kind of get it, get some of those rough edges off, make it a little nicer. Just real quick.
2: Where, if you were talking to a home cook, where where would you tell them to take their knives? And if and if you were advising them to learn to do it at home, what would you say they should buy?
1: Um, if you're doing it at home, like I said, the the electric ones are the the kind of foolproof. Yeah. Um, you can use them too much and sharpen down too much. Again, sharpen your knives. At most once a month. And that's if you're using them on a regular basis. Okay. Uh hone them all the time. You, you're not going to hurt them honing them. The only way you're going to hurt them is if you're putting it at a 90 degree angle and scraping it across and you're going to to you know blunt the blade that way. But do it somewhere between twenty and thirty degree. Just what what feels comfortable with your wrist holding the knife like mm-hmm. you normally would. If you don't feel comfortable pulling it towards you, I just I kind of should have walked through the honing process if you lock your elbows in at your sides and you hold it out and use wrist motion that's your best bet if you don't feel comfortable with that stand your your hone up with the end on the table holding it up and then just go down at a 20 to 30 degree angle this is what towards I do. Your table. yeah that I feel better yeah uh, <laughs> it, it works the same it's just getting that angle and getting yeah. the, like I said getting that neural off in town that's part of the I, I'm not sure who's Who's even doing it anymore now that Kitchen Gallery has gone? I would talk to, like, William sonoma and see if they do. Uh, also, if you're looking for just easy knives, there are a couple of kitchen supply stores in town. Uh, so Cavanaugh's and Kasnik's, they're good ones to talk to, and their people probably know who's actually sharpening them in town. Uh, if you know me, just bother me on Facebook. <laughs> if I'm sharpening your knives. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I actually also, from time to time, will do knife sharpening things Um where I don't charge anything, like we've done them at Rockhound Brewpub uh, on Park Street. We're gonna do that again. We're gonna do one at um, the Malt House over on Milwaukee Street. Nice. And the only thing that I require is if you come and I sharpen your knives, you need to at least have one drink, to, yeah. like do some patronage. Yeah, pretty exactly. rough. Yeah, yeah, it's I think really rough. It. I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's uh, it's finding finding somebody that you trust to use them. Make sure they're not using the same wheel to do your knives that they do axes and lumber blades on. It's just <laughs> not great. Um, don't let your Uncle Jim do them in the garage using his bench grinder. I have a bench grinder. I use it on my my machete that I use for chopping bamboo. That's that's <laughs> why I brought it up. But, that, yeah, I would not put my knife on it. No. And if you want to get just a good, simple stone, Amazon is your friend. Look for, like, the Dexter um, – you're going to pay somewhere between $50 and $100 for no. a decent uh, tristone of some sort. And there are a lot of online tutorials. Uh, in fact, it, it, it's a really big YouTube rabbit hole you can get into. <laughs> there is a guy in Japan who is a master knife sharpener and... He's amazing. Now, he uses – they go by grit, kind of like sandpaper. Mm -hmm. He has like 600 grit. This, This stuff is almost as fine as glass. It's just ridiculous that he will use to sharpen. He also has done things like he made a knife out of smoke. He made a knife out of rice. He's made knives out of wood. And then he has sharpened them down to the point where he can cut paper with them. It's kind of awesome to watch. All right? But yeah, there's some really good tutorials online if you want to learn that. That's the, the great thing about YouTube. You can learn pretty much anything yeah. off of it.
0: And when you were talking about the tristones, I mean, would the the kitchen supply stores that you mentioned, uh, the locally, would those also have those? Or I believe they do, okay. yes.
2: I've seen people drop their knives off at Sur La Table when I was there shopping. Yep. Um, so I think they do knife sharpening there. I had this vision for when we bought a little trystone that, like... My husband would learn how to do the sharpening and then we would like go to friends' houses and sharpen their <laughs> knives and they would love us. Um, he doesn't feel c- that comfortable with doing that because like he's used to sort of our own knives now on it. But, right. but your friends
0: still love you. That's the, that's the main thing. <laughs> <laughs> Just for reasons that have nothing it's to do with goal, knives. the goal, yeah. <laughs> Just
1: go, go to nation, buy a bunch of cheese, take it home, use your nice sharp knives and then take the cheese to their
2: house. Oh, there we go. Oh, very exactly. nice. That's yeah. Perfect.
0: Of your knives, is there one knife that is your favorite? I know that this is probably asking, like, one of those, like, big, like, you know, what which, which your baby. children is, like, favorite. But, I mean, like, is there one knife where you're like, if I had to use this knife, you know, for the rest of my life, this would be the one for X, that Y, Z, That would be the,
1: the Shun Aiden Chef Knife. Um, the funny thing about it is, originally, that was my wife's knife. Um, she, sorry, hun, <laughs> cannot cook. Um she knows it. Um, <laughs> and she just thought, you know, watching all these Food Network shows and stuff, she wanted to buy some good knives. Mm. Yeah, so she researched it and oh, Shinn is a really nice knife. So she went, uh, I don't, I think it was Wisconsin, uh, Wisconsin Cutlery that she bought it at and got this beautiful knife, right? And then it hung on the magnet in her house. And when we started dating, I'm like, that's a beautiful knife. And I started using it and I'm like, I'm giving you this knife, and I'm taking this knife. You're not gonna use either <laughs> one of them. So I'm gonna use the Hankle at home. Yeah. And I'm taking the shun to work because I can do everything with it. And I will. And it's the most comfortable handle. It's amazing. Love that knife. It's uh <sighs> retails about $185 for that chef knife. I mean, honestly, that's uh, not which bad. is not bad. Yeah. It's not what yeah. I thought you were gonna say. No, it's not, it's not they have more expensive ones, but for an everyday use knife, it's really great. Yeah. And, and if you I mean, for home. If you spend about $300 on a decent knife set, you know, pick and choose what you want, those knives will last you and your kids their lifetime.
0: Yeah. That's what you're saying. It's, it's an investment. It yes. is like you're thinking ahead of the time. And and again, as long as you're treating them well, if you're sharpening them, you know, once a month and using the hone and, you know, yep. they, they can last you, you know, generations. That's
2: like why I give my knives names. There you go. Yeah. My new one is called Hercules. <laughs> He's very strong.
0: Very nice. <laughs>
1: that's awesome
2: thank you so much thank you you.
0: so if after all that anyone is wondering where you can take your knives i've got a hot tip a couple of months back i took ours to wisconsin cutlery and kitchen supply who i should add are not a sponsor but you know wouldn't that be a great fit Uh, And my experience there could not have been better. It was only like, I don't know, six bucks per knife or something like that.
2: That sounds great. So as you all know, this has been The Corner Table, a podcast about food and drink in Madison, Wisconsin, produced by the Capital Times. My partner, Patrick Christians, composed our music and Natalie Yar edits the show.
0: You can check out our recent chat with Irene Polish, uh, who filled us in on what school food looks like this year. And next up, we're going to be talking about cooking outside with Kevin Wilson, or Heavy Kevy as he's known on Instagram.
2: Over at captimes.com, we've got features about La Penga on Park Street, a new dumpling place on Willie called Feast, and a trend story about virtual chicken wings. The brand is virtual, the chicken is real.
0: Well, oh, I'd hope so. Um, <laughs> uh, and of course, sign up for Cap Times Idea Fest. The full schedule is up now. Lindsay will be moderating a panel called Rethinking Restaurants with Ashley Koziak from the James Beard Foundation and local chefs Francesca Hong and Dave Heidi.
2: I am Lindsay Christians, drinker of wine in parking lots.
0: And I am Chris Lay, egg deviler extraordinaire.
2: Our wish for you this week, or my wish I should say, are those cherry tomatoes that taste like candy. <sighs> Cheers! Cheers.
0: Okay, let's do all that again, because why not? So, uh, if... Uh, <laughs> <blah>. <laughs> this podcast has been brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colaguard. Once again, be sure to learn more at exactsciences.com.